Hi, this is Jonathan Keller. And this is John Girardi. And we are here recording another episode of Life, Family, Liberty, the new podcast from California Family Council. Uh, And you have a treat today. You are no longer subjected to just John and me for the entire 20 minutes of the show. We have a we have a special guest with us again. And yes. John, you yes. want to introduce yeah, our, our friend? Yeah, someone <laughs> should. Uh, we're here joined today by Josh Brom, the president mm-hmm. president of the Equal Rights Institute, which is a uh, pro-life uh, advocacy and training educational uh, organization. I should probably shut up and just let Josh say he- hello, and uh, we'll we'll talk more about it. So, yeah. Josh, thanks for joining us. It's, it's good to be here, and it's really fun for things to go full circle, because <laughs> it used to be I was hosting a podcast called Life Report, and yes. I would have John and or and Jonathan on occasionally to be kind of the different experts in their cases, and now you have a podcast, and now I am here, and it just uh, feels like a, a, a deja vu kind there of a thing. Go. The servant has become the master. Yeah. Exactly what only, I was thinking. Only, uh, only this time uh, we don't have TV cameras, or uh, and and we're three sweaty guys cramped around a microphone. <laughs> I think being it's, nerds. it's kind of like what they say in the culinary world. This is a deconstructed podcast. <laughs> you know, it's that's just another word. It's for nice cruddy. and simple, though. Yeah, I gotta that's think true. That there there was a simplicity to Life Report before we set up a studio with cameras. That was always really fun. It was certainly a lot faster to edit. So I, I certainly when we're going. I'm going to. Start start a podcast again soon this fall, and it is going to be audio only, and yeah. I, there's a lot of benefits to that. Let me actually give you a little bit of backstory. Before I started with California Family Council, I was with a group called Right to Life of Central California, and I was there for 11 years. At the beginning of my time there, uh, John and I actually met. That's how we first connected. We were looking to hire an education director. We hired uh, Josh, and I remember when he told me he was going to be moving out from Georgia to California. One of the things he told me was, hey, I'd like to start a pro-life podcast. And I said, podcast? What's a podcast? I think I thought of it literally on the drive from Georgia to California while my wife was sleeping in the truck next to me. I was listening to all these podcasts and it's like, this is great. They're free. There's a bunch of them. They're fun. They're funny. Like, I'm cheap. This is awesome. And there just weren't very many good pro-life ones. There's like, we've got to do this. And John was like, go. Oh, go forth and, and do it. It's a lot It'll of freedom. Be fun. Now, 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 to put this in perspective, and Josh, I don't know if you've thought about this, but it, it really does kind of like blow your mind. When Josh came, the iPhone had just been out for six months. Yeah. Oh. It literally had, had been in existence for a, a whopping six months. And when, when Josh came and we needed to renew our phone contracts... He and I got Windows Mobile phones yeah, from Samsung. Ooh, they were those like were s- terrible slider Yikes. keyboards, and you had to have worst. a stylus for the screen. It was so podcasting has come an awful long way since those very early tech days, and that's one reason why I'm very grateful. It was actually again, it's never me that thinks of these things. It was actually John Girardi's idea to do these this podcast. He thought it'd be a great way, an easy way to kind of get information out to our supporters yep. and. So much easier, though. I mean, I don't know if you've set up with SoundCloud yet, but it's just it's just great. We're here to talk with Josh about what he does. So, Josh, tell us about Equal Rights Institute and what kind of stuff you guys do. 
Yeah, it started, so a couple of months after John left uh, Right to Life Center California, and I was still there for a little while, uh, I rented an office. I invited my brother Tim to come over, and we were going to spend about a week of his Christmas break writing our first book together. So, uh, we, we, gosh, we've got four or five books that we want to write together now, but we knew what our first one was going to be, and we thought, hey, let's bang out a draft. We'll, we'll work on the proposal. I rented a little separate office. We'd be away from Right to Life Center California, not be distracted. And it's had a conference table, a couple of laptops, and a marker board that I grabbed from RLC. And and that was the plan. We're just gonna we're gonna bang out this book, uh, and we spent like half a day working on the book, and then we spent the rest of the time just thinking about what 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 does the pro life movement need? Where where is the pro life movement at? Um, and we made this observation that would that had a, a big effect on us, which was thinking like the pro life movement is not currently known for its love. Uh, we're not known for our love, and we're not known for being particularly thoughtful. People doesn't mean there aren't loving or thoughtful people in pro-life movement, but it's not what we're known for. It's like that's a big problem if we're going to change culture. And we thought we we might be uniquely uh, uh, skilled or in the place to try to help the pro-life movement with that. Um, and after going through all the different possible ways that we could do that, we decided we would need to do the hardest thing of all of them, which is start our own nonprofit. Um, and so <laughs> that week we came up with a name and a mission statement and a plan. And six months later we were off and running. It's been about two years now. Um, we train pro-life advocates gets to think clearly, reason honestly, and argue persuasively. And basically what that means is we're using speaking, writing, campus outreach, and pretty soon an online course to train pro-life people, particularly in the areas of practical dialogue tips, so like the nitty-gritty things that we've learned after having about 3,000 conversations, like what are the little things that we do that make those conversations go better? Um, we talk about rigorous philosophy, well, what are the most persuasive uh, and best arguments that we can use, uh, as well as relational apologetics, which is like the art of cultivating friendships with people who are different from us and, and trying to think of pro-choice people not as the enemy necessarily, but as as uh, image bearers like the unborn are. What, 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 what if we uh, formed relationships and friendships with them um, and had multiple conversations in that context where people are more likely to change their mind? So that's what we've been doing for the last couple of years. Okay. So... To clarify, this is something that I think, as you mentioned, it's, it's something that there's a lot of very good, decent I, – I, I like the word decent because it, it's not necessarily a moral word. It's maybe just a word that implies you're earnestly trying to maybe do what's right. Maybe it's not always right. Maybe it's just what you think is right. But you have at least – it implies maybe you have noble intentions. And I think that there are a lot of good and decent people that can disagree. We've talked about this on, on the pro-life issue. Um how would you say that the work you're doing differs from maybe some other pro-life ministries and organizations? Uh, with, you know, not throwing anybody under the bus, but... I'm going to have to be careful here. I want you to throw as many people <laughs> under the bus as you possibly I'm can. Not, <laughs> not going to do it. Uh, there's a lot of awesome pro-life organizations uh, out there. Uh, certainly, we are different. We, I, I don't think we would start... Like, I, I don't think everyone should start their own organization. So I, I think um, you need to have pretty good justification to, to, instead of, like, merge with another group to start your own. And, and I think the reason we started around is because there are several things that we're doing that we don't think anybody else is either doing or doing very well. Um, so one of the things we're doing is uh, like the relational apologetics thing. There are very few pro-life speakers talking about that. Uh, Father Frank Pavone has talked about that before, and, and he's the only one I'm aware of. And now he's really excited that we're doing this because he's like, hey, you're talking about relational apologetics. He's on our advisory board now. Oh, wow. Um, and so uh, uh, we're trying to be really innovative and flexible with our arguments. So when we talk about arguing persuasively, um, it doesn't mean we're just trying to pick like the 
the true arguments, we're trying to figure out what are the arguments that are connect best with the pro-choice, especially college students that we talk to. And some arguments just connect with uh, people more than others. And so when we are on a college campus doing outreach, partly we're training the students that we've been working with, but partly that's our laboratory. We're doing R&D. Like we always love to say, let's go to the moon and see what we learn. Let's try something. And sometimes we try things that fail miserably. And sometimes we try things that are like, oh my gosh, uh, I think that might be a better way to phrase that or make that argument. Then we'll try it some more. And as we learn uh, arguments that seem to be working better and we feel like we've got good reasons for why that would be, then we change our material. Like there's no red tape. It's just Tim and me and luckily a board that really trusts us. So we can just figure out, all right, what is working the best right now? And then immediately change our training material and and kind of help all the people that are following us to learn with us what is connecting best right now. So to clarify, I want to give a little bit of a kind of a big picture. If you look at some of the work, John, that you and I do here at California Family Council, we obviously talk a lot about uh, some of the things from the political realm. But one of the things that's frustrating, I think, sometimes is that it seems like a lot of people in our culture, and, and I'm, I'm saying this with humility and respect, but mm-hmm. it seems like we've really lost even the ability to have respectful conversations based on logic and... Uh, what are you talking about, you jerk? <laughs> the, state, <Shut> up. <laughs> the state of the political civil discourse right now is just it's not in a good place right now. So, yeah. And again, I want to reiterate, as a 501c3 organization, we do not oppose or support any candidates for political office. However, I think we can make observations that, broadly speaking, there are some very poor politicians (laughs) that are making poor... Arguments. And not just one of them. Uh, no. and, 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 no. and also attacking each other um, instead of attacking arguments. And a lot of times when they do go to attack other people's arguments, a lot of times they do so very poorly. It's just like it's, 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 it's almost like you can watch any of the political debates and just try to like keep a tally of all the logical fallacies that, 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 that are going on. It's, it's not a good place. So yeah. what if we could help everybody, um, especially young pro-life people, like the future of the pro-life movement, to think really well, to immediately spot those kinds of problems with reasoning um, and problems with persuasiveness, uh, I think then we eventually have a pro-life movement that is a lot more effective. Well, sure. And it helps to get away from certain things from the past of the pro-life movement. It's this interesting mix. So there's a sense where, and I've had to become more careful about this because a lot of times you hear someone like me talk, some like young guy coming up, starting his own what thing. What do you know? Right. I was well, there back well, in the day. It's kind of like, yeah, like I, I had someone come up to me uh, in the middle of a long seminar um, who's kind of like, I've been doing pro-life work since before you were born, and I feel like you're kind of saying, like, the stuff that I used to say isn't isn't very effective or whatever. And and so kind of my, my thought is, yeah, sometimes, yeah, I do think that's true, but I, I think we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, Tim and I would not be uh, doing what we're doing if we if we hadn't started with uh, uh, great people like Scott Klusendorf, who kind of started pro-life apologetics, and, and Frank Beckwith, and, you know, Christopher Kazor, and Charles Camosi, and like all these really smart guys, um, and then we're taking a lot of those ideas, and yeah, sometimes we are making mo- uh, modifications and, and coming up with kind of uh, new ways of saying things or new arguments, but sometimes it's just a matter of just like analyzing, getting really analytical after our conversations. What is it exactly that we were doing that made that go well, and trying to figure out what those things are so that we can teach people. So as nitty-gritty as body language or like the kinds of formats that we'll frame our arguments in. So, so to clarify, for people who are listening, 
This is not just a, a bumper sticker phrase that uh, Josh and his team at ERI are trying to work on. I think a lot of times it's really easy to reduce all of our political arguments to either bumper stickers or now to tweets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, 140 characters. And if you can't fit it in that, you know, I mean, really, come on. I mean, it would have been so much easier if the founders would have had Twitter. You know, they could have just tweeted the entire Constitutional Convention. You know. <laughs> I'm so glad they didn't. Th- that would be all you would need. But I think the real... The real key and the thing that I appreciate about Josh and what his team are doing is they're kind of trying to get us to look from a, you know, 10,000-foot view Mm. um, and look at the bigger overall picture instead of getting down on a specific policy battle, instead of saying, okay, you know, let's talk about this one specific bill or this one specific statement by someone. Let's talk about some of the bigger philosophical issues, and then let's talk about how how we relate to those. What does that mean? Why do you believe the way you believe? And, and how can we respectfully engage on those issues? Yeah, there's, there's, there's that, and I appreciate that, but there's also kind of a getting past, so like getting past sound bites. Like I, I'm not a big fan of sound bites. We occasionally use them, but for the most part, like if you watch Tim or I or, or our other staff talk to pro-choice people, um, after we've asked a lot of clarification questions, you're going to hear us talk a lot. Like I, I, I do spend more time kind of showing cards and just trying to kind of say like here's here, here's kind of like here's all my cards on the table. Um, here's where yeah. I'm coming from. Here's why I'm not convinced. And just trying to explain that in an artful way. But but sometimes doing that takes a minute or two. Like so, it's, it's not sound bites. It's not just bullet points. It's like really helping people see where we're coming from, but in a way that they will really listen intently to. So, so to yeah. clarify, and I think on the one hand, you're not playing poker with the people out there right? in that you're not trying to bluff them. You're not trying to trick them no into... Tricks. It's a very transparent thing. Like, like yeah. the, the way we've talked about it is, is, is we're trying to do the worst poker strategy ever. It's just put all of our cards <laughs> on the table face up. Um, there's nothing up our sleeves. Here's here's yeah. where I'm coming from. So they say that they, they make a pro-choice argument and I might say something like, all right, here's where I'm coming from. Let me explain what's going on biographically for me right now. There's a, I, I'm tracking with your argument um, and here's why I'm not convinced. I have this this kind of view that you're going to probably think is kind of weird. Like, I think that uh, an embryo uh, at the single cell stage, that organism is a moral equal with a toddler. I know, that sounds crazy to you. But that's where I'm coming from. That's why I'm pro-life. Now, so, so, so go with me on that. If, because I think that... When you say we need abortion because women are in poverty, like I, I'm with you, I don't want women in poverty, uh, but because I think that the unborn is yeah. the same as a toddler, I don't think we can kill toddlers for that reason. Right. So. The other thing, though, is beyond the poker strategy that's unique. And apologies to John, who's our attorney. Um, it, it's also not a courtroom uh, debate. It's not a prosecution. Yeah. It's not a uh, public debate, like the thing, like with the podiums and stuff. Like, like our, our approach is so different from what Trump and Cruz do before a debate. It's like we're like where they're not sharing notes with each other. We'll actually like help the other person make a better uh, make make a better argument. Yeah, sure. And because, then I mean, graciously show them why it doesn't hold up. Yeah, which it is sort of based in a confidence in. The fact that you know the pro-life position is more reasonable, and that if you have people of goodwill who are thinking reasonably about it, and you just try to just make everything as clear as possible. Yeah, it's something we've talked about with. So we talk about open-mindedness a lot, a topic that I think pro-lifers are often very confused, or everyone's confused about that topic. Right. They think it means being wishy-washy, and it doesn't. But we talk about like the people that are I found to be the least open-minded are the people that are the most afraid of what will happen happen if they actually examine what do the smart people on the other side say. Yeah. And I'm not worried about it. I've seen the best pro-choice arguments there are. In fact, sometimes in our office, we'll come. We'll, we've been coming up with new pro-choice arguments. <laughs> 
that are better than anything we've ever heard of. Yeah. Uh, and, and yet, so I'm not worried about. It. I've seen the best thing what they've got. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not worried about it. Uh, we want to. If if the pro life position is true, and I'm awfully sure it is, then I'm not worried about what happens if we have an open minded uh, dialogue. Because I. I don't. I do. I can have that. That. That confidence. Mm -hmm. So, what, what are some of the big initiatives that you guys are working on right now, as far as like training materials, or yeah. so what's what's the big stuff you're working on right so now? The big exciting thing right now is this online training course, and this has been like a brainchild for a couple of years, and finally it's starting to become a, a, a reality. And and we basically wanted it to solve a problem. There's about a thousand students for life clubs that we're working with. Uh, students for Life of America is this awesome group. Literally a thousand? Or, There's it, or well, it's like 930 right now. Okay, It'll okay. be like a thousand by the end of the year or something okay, like that. Okay, cool. And uh, and they're an awesome group. They start these clubs. They they train all these regional coordinators to go and coach the clubs and do outreach with them. They're very focused on outreach and activism. They're awesome. Uh, and we kind of help them on the training side of that. But the problem was like the, the old way of us doing uh, trainings of students, in fact, we just did it in Michigan. We just got back last week was we would fly all of our staff to a place like Michigan and train and do like a seminar and train 20 or 30 students and then taking them and do outreach. And it's awesome. It's the best kind of training you can give people, but it's the least efficient, yeah. most expensive then, way to do yeah, it. You can only be in one place at one exactly. time. Exactly. Now, now we've got all these clubs that want us to do this, and we have to turn them down. And so it's like, okay, we have to do, like, let's say, what do other people outside of the pro-life movement do? Well, other people do online training courses and do scalable right. things. And so we're like, we need to do this um, in, in a way that, that fits with kind of the kinds of arguments that we're teaching people. And so we just filmed 31 videos in a studio. They're shot in 4K. Oof. They are gorgeous. I've got like three terabytes of footage now on a, on a big old hard drive, and I'm editing them so we can make basically a systematic training course that we can put online around the beginning of the of the fall. And I think that's going to be a game changer because then every student club will have access to all of our arguments, and they won't be learning in like a seven-hour drink from a fire hydrant kind right, of a exactly. seminar. They can kind of go piece by piece, right. uh, rewatch videos as many times as they need to to get like the more heady uh, pieces, and then go and do outreach. So that'll come out. We'll have a podcast as part of that um, and kind of training videos. And I, I, that, that is going to change everything about the way we even do outreach. And so we're really excited about that. One of the things that I love about the podcast, um, and we're going to have to wrap up here, but the great thing is we are going to have Josh back on a future episode uh, to talk both a little bit more about ERI and also about a crazy, crazy thing that happened to him yes. on one of their recent outreaches. But um, just just in wrapping up, one of the things, again, that I appreciate is that you mentioned this class is going to be coming out, the training class is going to be coming out in the fall. And I think it's important for us in this movement, whenever we start to get discouraged by whatever the political news of the day, is to realize that there are things outside of politics. Uh, there are sure. ways that the, the pro-life movement, the pro-family movement, the religious liberty movement is advancing uh, just in the community, in the grassroots yeah. sense, at college campuses, at high schools. And uh, I'm really grateful for our friend Josh and Tim and the group at ERI that's doing that. So looking forward to having you back again soon to talk about that uh, that crazy event. So, Thanks. Yeah. Sounds good. How, soon, how, how can people find your information before we let you go online? Yeah, plug, all, plug all your stuff. It's really easy. They can uh, find our website at equalrightsinstitute.com. Um, we have a blog that's linked from there, but you can go straight there at blog.equalrightsinstitute.com. You can find all of our stuff there. Cool. And if they want to follow you on Twitter? We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. It's really easy. Just, just search on all those platforms and you'll, and you'll find us. Awesome. Cool. cool. Well, folks, again, we're looking forward to being 
being back with you again soon. Uh, but for today, I'm Jonathan Keller. I'm John Girardi. And I'm this, Josh Brom. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed this to do been, that. Oh, this fine. is fine. <laughs> it, it's been Life, Family, Liberty, a podcast from California Family Council. We'll see you next time.